0: Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church, real people experiencing real change because of a real savior. Part of being on mission together is that we do journey through life's ups and downs and in betweens together. And we've been talking for the last few weeks about how life uh, has all of those elements, right? Which is not news to anybody. We know we've got the lows, the highs, and so much in between. Uh, Just on Tuesday, uh, I, in three different conversations, uh, heard about an elderly person with cancer uh, who's actually doing fairly well. I heard about a parent-age person with cancer for whom the statistics are not good. And I heard about a missionary couple who had to come back to the States because one of them had cancer and they just found out the other one does too. Those are the low moments. We've been talking about, um, over these last few weeks, life in this framework of Egypt, the desert, and the promised land. Kind of following the people of Israel in the early parts of the Old Testament from their uh, slavery, their captivity in Egypt, God pulling them out of that and into a desert time of wandering and questioning and not sure what just happened and what's going to happen next and then on into the promised land. Now, we haven't talked about the promised land very much, but we know that just like there are people going through those captivity-type moments, there are people in our church community and in the community around us who feel like life is fulfilling right now, that they're achieving what they were hoping to achieve. They are feeling whole and good. Those are the, the promised land kind of moments. We also know that most of life, and therefore at any given time, most of us are somewhere in the middle. We are in those desert moments of uh, wandering, of questioning, of doubting, of wrestling, of adventuring, of not knowing what's on the horizon, just knowing what was behind us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. When we are in these seasons of darkness or desert these captivity or wandering kind of seasons. Um, Most of us have pretty much the same reaction, although it could look a little different. Essentially, we all have a how do I get this over with kind of reaction, right? Just how do I get through this? How do we get past this? How do we endure this? How do we get to the other side? How do I make it go away? Sometimes we try to take shortcuts to make it go away. We try to numb it out. We try to escape it. We try to forget But we're in some form of how do I just get through this thing? I just want to get through it, get it over with. In an interview, author Ann Voskamp said, we're all, quote, looking for a way through when ultimately what we really need is a way of life. And so we've been talking about God meeting us in these desert places, these oases in the desert, these places of life in the midst of our wandering and questioning. Scripture tells us in multiple places, in multiple ways, that we should count these struggles, these hardships, these heartaches as an opportunity for joy, not because we enjoy them or they feel fantastic, but because simply they are an opportunity to grow In any season of life, whatever season you find yourself in, to go through that season well, we have to have our goal in the right place. And the goal is not to get through, but to grow through. The goal is not just to get it over with, to get through it, to endure it. It's not just get through it as fast as we can, but the goal is, is to grow through this season. And this is how we should engage the deserts and the dark parts of life. And this is not just for people following Jesus. This is true for all of us. Are we going to let life, the things we go through, help build us up or help tear us down? Let the season help you grow. Don't just try to escape it. It's true for everybody, but how much more true? for those of us who are following Jesus, following the one who didn't try to escape the darkest moments of his life, but embrace them with open arms in order to be a blessing to the whole world. How much more true is this that we get to grow through for those of us who believe that we don't have to grow on accident or by our own willpower, but that we can be molded by a loving creator, No matter how heavy or disorienting or difficult your season, there is an opportunity to grow. Now, every season, in every season, you will be impacted. You will be affected. You will be changed. This isn't actually something optional. The things that we go through, the good and bad of life, the lessons learned, and the lessons intentionally ignored. These things imprint on our heart and mind and soul stories, perspectives, desires. So the question is not to change or not to change. That's not really one of the options. The choice is either to be formed or Deformed, I suppose, to grow or to see it disintegrate around us. To to let life form good in us or tear us down. John Mark Comer puts it this way in his book, "Live No Lies." And this quote is is in your notes. The question isn't, "Are you becoming somebody?" But rather, "Who are you becoming?" It's not, "Are you becoming somebody?" It's who. Are you becoming? You are becoming someone. Do you like who you're becoming? I think who we're becoming uh, can, well, I think who we're becoming uh, is developed through a series of things that we could call broadly inputs and outputs, okay? And those categories are maybe a little too broad and maybe not broad enough, but essentially there's things that we take in, information and emotions that get processed in us, sensations and stimulations and all those things that we input. And then there are outputs, actions and reactions. So we're formed by inputs and outputs and what turns our inputs into outputs actually hinges on one significant concept. So a good way to think about inputs is that you are being formed by what you listen to. You're being formed by what you listen to. And God actually sets this up explicitly for the people of Israel as he moves them from their season of captivity into their desert season. We actually read this verse, we're gonna look at in just a second, last week. uh, As God moved people out of Egypt. And he brought them to this place with water that was bitter. And he makes the bitter water pure and good for drinking. And, and he says, I've got, I've got a word for you here. So it's in Exodus fifteen, chapter 15, verse 26. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Do you want this season to heal you or harm you? Listen to the right voices. In this case, listen to the right voice, he says. As you head into this desert season, You want this season to heal you or harm you, it's going to depend on the voice that you listen to. This is not a threat. This is a reality for all of us that who we choose to listen to affects our mood, our perspective, our focus. Maybe you had a parent or coach or teacher who a long time ago said, You're never going to make it. You'll never be good enough. You can't do that. You'll never be enough. And it still echoes in your brain. Maybe you're listening to a politician who says, vote for me or the unthinkable will happen. Maybe it's a preacher or an influencer on social media saying, well, if you really love Jesus, if you really love people, if you really want to live a happy life, you will do this thing. The music you input shapes what's going on in your heart and mind. Listen to angry or sad music. You can pretend like it's matching your mood. It's also making your mood. The movies you watch, the TV shows you watch, Now, I'm not saying that if you watch a murder movie, you're going to go out and murder somebody. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am saying is that the things we input into our senses shape our focus, our thinking, how we feel, how we see the world around us. And then how much impact those inputs have on our life, on our outputs, depends greatly on this truth. You are formed by who you trust. You are formed by who you trust. That's why that comment from that coach or teacher or parent still matters. Because at the time, at least, you trusted them. You believed what they said. You believed what they said about you. And so it continues to ring like it's true even if you know it's not. When the politicians and pundits decry the other side and stir up fear and animosity, your reaction is actually based on trust. Not really on the facts of what they say, it's based on trust. If you don't trust them, you'll roll your eyes and simply move on with your life. If you do trust them, some part of you at least, will begin to fear the other side and what they might do. God told the people of Israel, if you listen and do what I think is right, this will go well for you. If you listen to what I say and agree that what I say is right, this will go well for you. And I think agreeing with someone when you don't know the answer, when you don't know what's going to happen. So in this case, they didn't know what was going to go on in the desert. They didn't know what the season ahead of them held. They, like all of us, did not know what next week and next month looks like. And God said, if you will listen to me, then that week, month, season will go well. Agreeing with someone when we don't know what's going to happen is a pretty good definition of trusting somebody. To say, you know, maybe I've done some research, I've got some thoughts, I've got some opinions, but I'm not an expert here and I don't know, so I'm trusting you to be the expert here. That what you say is what's going to happen. That's trust. God's command to listen, even, is based on, founded on some trust that Israel already gave to God and to Moses, their leader. Uh, We have to go back a chapter to Exodus chapter 14. Uh, And normally I uh, read out of the New Living translation. Um, I'm going to read this out of the New International version because the New Living in this verse uses the word faith. And I think we can get really caught up in how much faith we have and what does faith do and what does faith mean. I think trust is just a far more helpful term here. We obey who we trust The last verse of chapter 14, verse 31. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So they had seen what God could do. God had rescued them from their captivity in Egypt through some miraculous and painful experiences. And they said, okay, if God can do that, then we'll put our trust in him. And as we follow through this story, if you read the rest of the story of Israel in Exodus and really on through the Old Testament, where things start to fall apart is when they lose trust. When they start to trust that God's way is not the right way. And the Old Testament talks a lot about disobedience and it is absolutely their disobedience that harms them and harms others but they are disobeying because of their distrust, because they no longer believe that God's way is the right way to do things. They no longer believe what God says is true for them. What they input, what they listen to, causes them to trust or not trust God, which causes them to obey or disobey. And we are no different. You and I are formed by what we listen to, by who we trust, and by who we obey. You are formed by who you obey. Now, notice I didn't say you're formed by whether you obey God. You are obeying something, and it is forming you. Maybe you've developed a rule of life Maybe you've trusted someone who said, well, real Christians will always vote this way. And they may be right. I'm not arguing with whether they're right about that thing or not. I don't even know what thing I'm talking about. All I'm trying to say is that you are obeying somebody. You are obeying some directive and it is forming you. A early church leader, church planter and writer named Paul wrote it this way, preserved for us in the New Testament in the book of Romans. Romans 6, verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. In other words, whoever... Whatever you choose to obey, you become what and who you obey. And, and I would add that you obey what you input and trust. A couple examples. Uh, Levi Lusco is a pastor and author and he shared this story in an interview and I'm just gonna read the story because I couldn't, couldn't make this up and can't tell like him, it's about his mom. Uh, and this was just a couple weeks ago. He said, I was talking to my mom a minute ago. She's like, I wanna say goodbye in case the nuclear bombs start falling Levi and we can't get on the internet. And I said, mom, can you tell me how many hours you spent on news yesterday? And she said, just seven, just seven. I said, mom, you're not designed for that. Your soul can't handle that. You should know enough to be praying for, of course, the situation in Ukraine and let that be informed. It's irresponsible though, and I love this quote. It's irresponsible though for you to take in as much stimulation as God takes in, which is what you're trying to do. We have to be responsible with our inputs and how much trust we put in them. And let's not pretend that Levi's mom is the anomaly here. How much stimulation and information are you taking in every day? What is that information and stimulation telling you about what to do How to think, how to feel. The talking heads on TV and radio over and over say that enemy is bad and they are going to destroy our country, our world, our society. And you trust in this pundit for whatever reason. Maybe they've proven to be right before, maybe they just seem trustworthy. Or maybe it's because you already agree with them and you like hearing what you already think. But for whatever reason, you trust them. So you listen to what they say. You trust what they have to say. And then they say, okay, now I want you to go vote this way. And you go, okay, I'm now gonna go vote this way. We hear it, we input it we trust it, it turns in to output. And suddenly, suddenly you're becoming someone. You're becoming that pundit. You've listened to what they have to say. You've trusted them. You are doing as they would do. Now, are you also maybe becoming more like Jesus? That is entirely possible. It is possible that that uh, talk show host on TV or the radio, that newscaster, that politician, is just like Jesus in their actions and feelings and beliefs, I suppose. You may be becoming more like Jesus. You are for sure becoming more like that person. We intake stimulation and information. We trust it. We act on it. We become more like that source. A a leaked Facebook study. So this was an internal Facebook study that got leaked to uh, MIT Technology Review. So some sort of informational output uh, on, on technology things. It's an internal Facebook study. Gets leaked to the MIT Technology Review. The internal study from Facebook that they did not want us to know <laughs> found, this is a crazy number, 19 of the top 20 Christian Facebook pages, okay? Top 20 as in how many views they get on a regular basis, okay? 19 of the top 20 Sites on Facebook that have Christian in their uh, category. they said, we are a Christian site. We put out Christian content. 19 of the top 20 are actually run by troll farms in Kosovo or Macedonia. These 19 pages that say Jesus on them, that have names like Jesus is Lord, light of the world, light a candle for your loved one, happiness is inside you, Jesus is the way, that say, we're gonna put out Jesus content, and then you peel back a layer and find that they really have nothing to do with Jesus. These pages combined gets 75 million views a month. That is 75 million inputs of content that says Jesus and has no depth of Jesus to it. By the way, the one site in the top 20 uh, that does uh, seem to be legit is Guideposts. So if you've liked Guideposts on Facebook, good for you. You have won Facebook roulette, congratulations. 75 million views a month. And the goal of these pages, and I'm I'm not even being cynical here, the goal of these pages is to build trust, to use the name of Jesus to build trust with Americans in order to input information that is divisive and controversial. Their goal is to build trust so that they can input information of controversy and division, and then they simply step back and watch what happens because they know that input plus trust equals output. They know that if we sow seeds of controversy and division in a way that people will trust, we can sit back and watch Christians sow controversy and division into their society and into the world around them, and it works and it works. So they keep doing it 75 million times a month. A, a popular political figure and I won't name them because this could be from either side of the aisle this story I in in my opinion. A popular political figure last Christmas time was uh, talking to a group that was gathered on a Sunday morning for politics. It was kind of a political convention thing, but there are also uh, pastors on the stage, and they're they're talking about uh, their ties to church and Christian values and those kind of things. and And this politician got up and said, "quote We've turned the other cheek, and I understand. I understand sort of the biblical reference. I understand the mentality." but it's gotten us nothing, okay? It's gotten us nothing. And this room of people gathered for politics, but tying them to their Christian values and listening to pastors tell them why they should feel this way politically, erupted in applause. Why? Because that room of people is not being formed into the image of Jesus they're being formed into the image of their favorite politicians. And they're choosing to do that. To input information from these sources they trust and to output what they want them to output, to become more like them. The output goal of the Christian life and this may surprise some of us because we think the output goal of the Christian life is I say I follow Jesus so I can follow him into heaven one day after I die. The output goal of the Christian life is to become more like and act more like Jesus. To be like and do like Jesus. That's the goal. That's it. To listen and trust And obey the love and good works of God as put on display through Jesus Christ. So, my question for all of us, whether you're following Jesus or not, is who are you being formed into? Who are you being formed into? Who are you becoming? The voices you hear, the memories that echo, the actions you carry out in trust, these things are forming you into someone. Do you like who you are becoming? If you are a Jesus follower, is God honored by who you are becoming? the things you hear and trust and do every day, little things and big things are forming you every day. And if you're here because you wanna follow Jesus every day, how are you going to be formed into the image of Jesus this week? What are you going to listen to? What are you going to trust? The Facebook page or eternal scripture? The political figure who benefits by you agreeing with them and voting for them. Or the person that you know who wouldn't stand out in a crowd, but they are humbly doing their best under God's grace and asking for lots of forgiveness to serve and love the people around them. Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? Who are you trusting? What are you obeying? Who are you being formed into? Your mom, your dad, coach, teacher, that politician, that pundit, that preacher, that musician, that movie character, or Jesus? What are you gonna take into your life this week? How are you gonna determine what you trust this week so that the output of your life is to be like and do like Jesus? As the worship team comes up, I wanna pray that God will form us, each of us this week. So will you pray with me? Father God, I know that um, there are so many ways in which I uh, need to be formed by you. In which I act like I don't trust you. Which means there are ways that I don't trust you. Ways that I would rather take in something that makes me feel good or, Agrees with me. God, would you form me, my heart, my mind, my soul this week? God, would you teach me to put my trust in you? God, would you block out the noise? Would you give me the wisdom to know what's noise and what's truth? Would you give me the courage to obey the hard things that you call me to? God, would you give us the wisdom to look to the right places for what we hear, to discern what is true? God, would you place people in our lives who will help us discern what is true, people that we can trust? God, would you give us the courage to link arms with each other and say, okay, I'm with you on this. And we're with Jesus on this. And God, in this week, in this season, whatever hardships or deserts or fulfillment we're walking through, God, would you, would you make us more like you? Would you shape our hearts and minds in your faithfulness, in your gentleness, in your grace so that we would be more like you so that we would be gentle and faithful and full of grace. I ask all this in the holy, masterful name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.